Legends with Bevo presents the Bevo and Biggie Show. Okay, folks, welcome to the Bevo and Biggie Show once again. And tonight we're very, very very privileged to be joined by a man over there in Victoria. He's a comedian, a social media sensation. Lance, Simon, great to have you on for a chat, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks Bevo, for your time. I think you missed the part. He looks like a million bucks as well. He's a good-looking rooster, this bloke. He's I won't so say weird. much about the Victorians, but, mate, this guy leads ahead with his looks, that's for sure. He He's makes so me weird. and you look very bad with our balding haircuts, mate. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> He's looking, he's looking a million dollars over there, that's for sure, mate. How are you going, Biggie? Thanks a lot. All I know is the Tigers came up with a good win on the weekend, so that's all that really matters to me. And your football club did what it always does and pulls it out of their ass. <laughs> well, Lance doesn't well, – he's one of the few Victorians that doesn't follow the AFL, mate. We won't, we won't hold, it, hold that against him, but um, – I think I'm the only one. I think I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> all I know – I don't, I've never watched a footy game. All I know about football is that the Collingwood supporters, they have dental problems and they live in, and they live in Frankston. <laughs> is that right? All you need to know. They're, mate, they're all, over, they're all over Melbourne. They're actually all over Australia. There's heaps of them. The Collingwood supporters? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're one of the biggest supporter groups around Australia. So, Eddie McGuire and his, uh, and his crew. <laughs> And they're sponsored by um, Centrelink, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think so. You're all over it, mate, for a bloke that doesn't know much about footy. <laughs> just, just, you hear it a lot, the Collingwood supporters. There's something wrong with the Collingwood supporters, you know? They, they're they a bit rough around the edges. Well, we cop that That's as another being, statement. We, we get, get a fair bit of grief over here as being Port Adelaide supporters as well. We're, we're a bit similar to Collingwood, supposedly. You know, a few, we're just that, that rough sort of team. That, uh, You're a classy either, type, that's for sure, Bevo. Either, either they love us or hate us, but <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> hey, um, moving on to yourself, mate. Your videos are going boom to absolutely killing it over there in Victoria. 300,000-plus views for some of your videos. Um, where's it all come about, mate? And uh, tell us about the Light Song experience. Oh, thanks. Um, I, it's no real um, – I don't know what's happened. I, uh, I've always made videos on the uh, – my wife brought me an iPhone – so I make funny videos and I send them to my mates. And um, what do you call it? A few months back, I realised you could post it to the Facebook. So I started posting them on Facebook. And um, and then people would uh, send me messages that they, they really liked it. You get a lot of negative, but I don't listen to that. And uh, people inbox me and I made all these friends on Facebook. And um, I was like, wow, this is cool. So I just keep doing it pretty much every – I just did one uh, – I just did one, and I'll have to because I have to check my views every about six to seven minutes, because you know life's all about views. But I just did one um, at the Frankston Hospital half an hour ago. Oh wow! And uh, I was meant to be here getting ready for this, but I had to go to the Frankston Hospital. I wanted to see the nurses, you know. I wanted to. I brought chocolates to give to the nurses because you know they're working twelve-hour shifts with no breaks because oh, of the corona. Well done, mate. Awesome. No, yeah. well actually, I got to the hospital and they, there was no nurses. It was a ghost town. The oh. hospital's empty. Yeah, I um I spoke to the nurses and they said they've got no work on. There's nothing to do because they've cancelled elective surgery. So 
I don't know what the news are talking about. So I posted it. It's look, it's got three point eight thousand views in the last hour. Your wow. team. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, well done. Looking <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure, Bevo. That's fantastic. Now, lads, what are you doing with yourself over COVID, man? Obviously, like you said, you're doing these videos and stuff like that. Um, you know, you guys especially, you've now gone back into stage three lockdowns again. Um, yep. so what is going on with yourself? What are you doing? What's the plan? What's yeah? Give us a rundown, brother. So in Melbourne, with, with the stage uh, three lockdown, you know, we can't go to the beach by ourselves or, or walking, stuff like that. But what we're allowed to do, so we're, we're privileged, we're all allowed to go to Bunnings every day. So we just spend our time at Bunnings. Yeah, so I'm down Bunnings every day. It's packed. And there's a line at the front. It's like a nightclub. And they're going to be checking IDs soon. The DJ will be out the front. It's going to be amazing. That'll be where yeah. everyone goes soon. It'll be Bunnings, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone just spend their time at Bunnings because that's safe. It's safe to go to Bunnings, apparently. So. <laughs> well, you've been doing some renovations, mate, so you will be living there a fair bit at the moment. Yeah, yeah I'm down there all the time. Yeah, so I'm renovating my house. But I deliver. I go out a lot. I'm I'm driving around all night. I get pulled over a lot, and I want to get the fine. So the the cops pull me over. I start filming because I want to film myself getting the fine and make something fun of it. But they won't give me the fucking fine. I've been pulled over half a dozen times. So I drive around at one in the morning, and they won't give me the fine. Yeah, they just uh, well, they, I just got stopped at a roadblock the other day. He's like, "What are you? What are you doing? It's a uh, lockdown." I said, "Oh, it's going for a drive." He said, what do you mean you just going for a drive? I said, I just want to go for a drive. And the cops are all looking at me. I was like, here we go. Got the phone out, started filming. And the cop goes, what's that cup in your cup holder? Is that a Macca's cup? I said, yeah. He goes, have you been to Macca's? I said, yeah, I went to get the uh, the new Coke. Oh, they got a Coke Zero uh, uh, slushy now, the Slurpee. Anyway, frozen, frozen Coke Zero. Anyway, he goes, oh, so you're out for food. All right, off you go. And I was like, where's my fine? And... Uh, <laughs> Won't give me the fine. Yeah, so anyway, we'll see. The but, McDonald's uh, is now essential food. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, the frozen diet cake. Yeah, frozen cake zero. That's essential. Oh, that's gold. Hey, mate, you've actually got some interesting thoughts on, on the coronavirus, actually, and I've, I love your videos as well. I've been watching a few of your recent ones, and um, they're talking about these face masks being compulsory now and you know getting a $200 fine. Um, if you don't wear a face mask in public as of tomorrow. Uh, but yep. you've actually got a, your own sort of thoughts on it. Tell us all about that. Well, that's risky telling my thoughts. And, uh, <laughs> Let it I will if you want. But, um, I don't know how many trolls you got, but you'll gain a lot of trolls having me speak. <laughs> Mate, we're all, we're all happy here to... Uh, to give our own thoughts and, you know, it's a, it's a free one. You're going to get trolls. When I speak, you're going to get a lot of trolls. But just let me know when you find the trolls because I'm actually I'm running a program. If you have a look at my – that's a uniform there. The trolls. <laughs> so I'm actually a bit of a vigilante, so I go out and I hunt trolls and I, and I get them. Yeah, so I'd like to eradicate all trolls if I could. They're the world's cancer. Fantastic, mate. That is the best thing I've seen all day. Trolls are left, right and centre that hide behind their keyboards all the time. We need people like you. You're the modern-day Superman, Batman. Keep it up. <laughs> Thanks very much. 
So uh, the mask, yeah. So I've I've been uh, I've been reading up like everyone else, and it depends what you read. You know, the, you're either a Corona skeptic, you don't believe in it, it's a myth, it's a joke, or it's the end of the world. And it doesn't seem to be. I'm not coming across many people that are on the fence. You're either a fanatic that Corona is, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened, and it's real serious and deadly, or you think it's a myth. You know, so you know there's a big uh, disagreement there with the public. Uh, I'm I'm a skeptic. I'm a big skeptic. You know, uh, I've been looking up things like world meters to see how many deaths there are from everything else, and you know, there's more people dying from starvation. I mean, millions die from starvation, cancer, the road toll. You know, more people have died from Corona since it started from suicide. You know, so suicide rates are up because of Corona. You know, so and the news aren't reporting on that. The news don't report. They just report, oh, we had a death from Corona. They don't mention that it was a 98-year-old that you know would die from the flu, you know, or pneumonia or anything else, you know, so that's, uh, you know, people with weakened immune systems. But in terms of the mask, I've been reading up on that, and um, uh, if my if my uh, research is correct, that the coronavirus is 500 times smaller than the holes in your mask. So if that happens to be true, then the mask is, you know, uh, frivolous. But, uh, but I won't be wearing a mask as a point. I don't care how many fines I get. I definitely won't be wearing a mask just to, you know, uh, a bit of a protest, I suppose. But, I'm, yeah, I'm a huge corona sceptic. And, uh, yeah, you cop a lot of backlash for being a corona sceptic, you know. Um, I mean, the, the recovery rates, what is it sitting at now, 99% recovery rate? You know, Ebola had a 50% recovery rate. Um, so 99% recovery rate, but it could be higher than that because uh, – Millions of people that had corona and recovered who were never tested, they don't get to go on the stats, you know, so they don't go on the stats. So so there could be much higher recovery rate. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely a, definitely a skeptic. But, I, you know, I don't think we anybody actually knows, you know, the truth. You know, you know, it's a new thing. We don't really, I don't think any of us know. But if you ask me, I'm a, I'm a huge skeptic. Well, no, well, what I, I, I like your opinions there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, no matter what side of the fence you're on, no one really knows. You're 100% right, Lance. No, no one actually knows. It's, it's one of those real weird phenomenons. As I've said to Bevo a million times on the show, we live in a strange world at the moment um, where I think there's obviously pros and cons on both sides of the fences and it more depends on what side you sit on. And like you said, Lance, you uh, sit on one side and... and you know, everyone has a right to their own opinion and, and whatever they think, you know, absolutely. Well, it's a bit unfair, though, for the people that uh, listen to the mainstream media, you know, the, the media are being facetious, you know, you could say dishonest in their reporting, and then that is influencing, you know, the viewers that watch the believe in mainstream media. Because the thing about what we've learned about mainstream media, my wife and I have both been in the media, my wife's in the media all the time, and what we what we've seen is that extremely dishonest people, you know, it's dishonest as can be. They cut and paste, they exaggerate, they, they tell sometimes flat-out lies or half-truths. So they sensationalise and catastrophise the story and and then they influence the public, you know, because the general public are pretty dumb. I believe everything that, you know, because who who would think Channel 10 News would lie to you? They're too big to fail. They're, they're a big professional company. To think that they would just, you know, misinform you and lie, it's hard to believe for the average Australian when in fact they're extremely, anyone who's been involved with the media knows they're extremely, extremely dishonest. So in their reporting, they're being extremely dishonest, you know, and uh, just, you know, thrashing out these statistics, you know, the the, uh, the stats 
on the corona, but not daring to release any other stats, you know, at the same time. So well, yeah, uh, let's, be, let's be honest here, Lance. Um, the media is a business. They need to make money, right? Yeah. Yeah, they make, they make more money when we're, when we're glued to the TV and we're freaking out, you know. Exactly. Yeah. They want to sell papers and they want to make headlines. That's why whenever there's a terrorism attack, that's always the first thing they talk about because they know that's what people are going to be interested in. Yeah, exactly. People are more yeah. interested in being scared by things. That's why people love horror movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the news and the, the current affairs shows, they're taking it real far. You know, they're, they're doing a story. They've got a guy walking out of his house. They put dramatic music over the top of it and things like that. <laughs> you know, they ruin people's lives. You know, uh, and people just buy it all up. They just, you know, Tracy Grimshaw, you know, she's got an honest bone in her body, you know, and... Uh, People just believe everything she says. You know, why, why does she, why is she an authority? Do you know what I mean? She's a journalist. You know, so, and she's an authority. She, what she says goes. People believe everything she says. So, uh, the people that watch it, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty horrible, you know, the, the, the power that the media have and then the way they abuse it. You know, they abuse their power. Sensationalising stories. Just give us the facts, you know, just give us the facts. But the facts aren't exciting. They don't, they're not shocking. You know, just the straight, boring facts are pretty mundane. They're not very shocking, so they need to hype it up. But the sort of money they're making, I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting here saying how much I hate them, but fuck, for that sort of money, I'll be doing the same thing. <laughs> Mate, I'm going um, to, well, th my question kind of leads off a little bit from the media side of things and interviews and stuff like that, but you have an interesting thing where you... Um, you interviewed uh, Roberta Williams and, and I believe, was it Carl as well? You did an interview with both of them or was it just Roberta? Just Roberta. How, how did that come around, buddy? Oh, that's an interesting story. Um, yeah, I'd so love to hear it. I never actually met Roberta till we did the podcast. Um, she'd written about me in her book, actually. It said it, it paid me out in her book because <laughs> she didn't like me. She didn't like me. We had a, a verbal disagreement once on the phone. But I've never actually met her. And I didn't know what to think of her. You know, she's a crazy lady from the from the news. And um, so I didn't know what to think of her. And um, she rang my wife's phone one day. My wife had left the phone at home and I saw it said Roberta Williams. She was ringing for probably legal advice. And I, so I answered the phone. I said, hi, Roberta. Sorry, I got Sarah's phone. And we got to talking. And I started talking and she's really nice to talk to. She's actually really funny. She's She's got a good sense of humour. You know, she can take the piss out of herself. Like, I, I, I bag her constantly, pay her out. She can take a joke at her own expense. I got to talking to her and I, th and I told her, I said, I started a podcast. Would you, would you let me interview you on the podcast? She goes, yeah, why not? Um, so I met her at the, uh, at the wife's office and I had a, one of her clerks help me because I can barely use a computer, as you guys know. And um, anyway, we did the interview. It was a bit of fun, a few laughs and... Uh, um, that was only one of my first podcasts. I think I've probably gotten better at talking now. But anyway, it went well. And then afterwards, we sat around and we, we spoke for a, probably an hour or two and having a laugh. And then when she left and the Zara's staff said to me, oh, geez, how long you known her for? I said, I've never, what do you mean? I just met her. He goes, fuck, you guys are, you guys are talking like you've known each other for years. I was like, yeah, pretty easy, to, pretty easy to talk to. And then so I stayed in contact with her and I, I enjoy her friendship. She's... If, if, you know, look, people see her in the media, they think negative things about her, fair enough. 
but I, I suspect anybody that would meet her, you can't help but to like her. If you met her, if you met her, you wouldn't be able to help but to like her. She's really, she's charming. She's really likable. And um, then I've, she's been in, in and out of hospital a bit lately, and I, I'll go and visit her, and um, and she's kind enough to let me do some videos with her that have done pretty well. We had a I video. I've seen them. They were hilarious. I saw one on your Facebook. I pissed myself with the toilet paper. That was great. Yeah, yeah, that one went well. And um, she did one with me that was on 7 News the next day. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I'll send you. Remind me later. I'll send them to you. Um, Definitely. So we did a video that Nicola Gobbo ran her over. That's why she was in the hospital. And um, it was pretty funny. And then I didn't, tell my, I didn't tell my wife about these videos. She doesn't like it. And uh, <laughs> next minute she's watching the news the next night. And it's on 7 News. <laughs> and that's a good um good lady mate because what to talk about your wife she's she's a famous lady zara guard wilson she's one of the best lawyers going around in australia and around the world in fact but she's actually quite what, do you mean one of the best? what do you mean one of the best mate yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't want to talk about too much mate no just kidding <laughs> you need to you need to edit that out Deep. <laughs> 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 I, I'll, I'll rephrase that to the best lawyer going around. There you go, mate. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us some. Um, tell us more about her though. Why she's so famous so much? Um, well, she's famous now at the moment. Well, that's the thing about fame. One minute you're famous, and then a few weeks later you're not famous anymore. So she's uh, been famous and not famous and famous again a lot. And she's on the on the news every every few months or so. In the beginning, um, she was uh, representing a lot of high-profile criminals, and um, so that got her on the uh, made her uh, gave her the notoriety. And um, what do you call it? And she was back then. She was uh, telling people that Nicola Gobbo was a, an informant. She was letting people know that she knew she knew ten years ago before anyone knew. No one believed her. Everyone thought she was nuts. You know, she was laughed at in the Supreme Court and high-profile QCs laughed at her, thought it was nuts. You know, nothing like that's ever happened in the world where, that a lawyer, Nicola Gobbo, is a, actually a registered police informant. So it's, nobody believed her. They thought she was a nut job. But, it got, you know, it got back to the police. It got back to the police that, you know, because the police were breaking the law. So it got back to the police that Sarah was going around telling everyone what the police are up to. So I don't know if, you know, the police in Melbourne were... I mean, back then, some of the police were actually killing people, you know, so um, it was pretty serious corruption. And then Zara was spilling the beans, so to speak. So they, they went along and charged her for a crime um, to try to, you know, get back at her, you know, for, for spilling the beans on the on Nicola Gobbo being an informant. So she went through the courts. She was, you know, found not guilty and, and uh, she moved on with her life and everything's been good ever since and uh, I got myself into a little bit of trouble about 10 years ago that embarrassed further embarrassed her got her on the news again and uh, so that was some some uh, she wasn't too happy before, with me and uh, so well, I've, I've stayed out of trouble for a long time now so I don't put her through that is there anything I do it's straight away it's headline news I do you know then exaggerate it to just anything to embarrass her you know uh, they'll do it so I really can't get in trouble with the police anymore. Like, if I get in trouble with the police, the police, before they even arrest me, they ring the media and let them know, you know? Yeah, so they really hate Zara because she's uncovered all this corruption 
uh, so they don't like her. So oh, I'd like to say this on air. If Zara dies of a heart attack, corona, breast cancer, it, w it was the police. It was the bloody police because her actions now with the Royal, starting the Royal Commission is going to land a lot of police in jail. So, Mate, good, and, on uh, good on her, pal. Yeah, and she's doing it again in Perth. She's been flying to Perth. She uncovered more police corruption in Perth, so there's probably going to be a Royal Commission in Perth as well. And I said to Zara, she came back from Perth, she goes, yeah, I think there'll be a Royal Commission there too. The cops are even more corrupt there. Yeah, and I said, Zara, you can't keep fucking doing this. You can't just keep getting cops put in jail. It's not good for your health. They're going to fucking, they're going to knock you off. And she said, well, I've got a, th I've got $3 million in life insurance. And I went, oh, what? Okay. Lance, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where did you meet the lovely Zara? Where did you meet her? I lived with uh, with Mana in an apartment in um, in um, in uh, Port Melbourne in Melbourne, and I remember I was with Mana the first time I met her. I said, "Oh, that's that that's that woman I've been stalking," and uh, I wanted to go up to her. And, he, and Mana, you know, he's real shy. I said, yeah. "I'm just going to go up." I said, "I need to approach her. I'll jump on the dirt bike." So I jumped on my dirt bike. So I'm going to drop up to her and approach her. And Mana just walked inside. He goes, "You're a fucking idiot," and he just ran inside. <laughs> and uh, so I just would see her in the car park. We lived in the same apartment building, and then we'd walk our dogs on the beach. And then we, after a few months, we started going for dinner. And it took ages. It took it. took a year of uh, pursuing stalking, whatever you, however you like to Solid call it. Groundwork. Solid <laughs> groundwork. Yeah. Well, with this, the thing with the stalking, you know, they're either going to get an intervention order or they're going to marry it. You know what I mean? So. Oh. Work well, for you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and the three kids, um, are they with Zara or, or from another relationship? No, they're my kids. Uh, they're our kids, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, Zara wanted to have kids and um, so that was her goal. She was real keen to start a family and um, I didn't know really what kids meant. I just knew that. She wanted to have kids. I thought, oh, well, good opportunity to start a family, you know, become a proper person. I mean, have you, you guys got kids? No. Nah, eventually, mate, but, yeah. yeah <laughs> Close no. enough kids already. Don't. No, don't do it. Please, I'm fucking begging you. I'm begging you. <laughs> I'm, fucking begging you. I'm fucking begging you. Please don't do it. Now, now, mate, I have to ask you a serious question, um, which is hard because, of uh, you know, you're a funny man and you, you love the banter, but you've had... You know, you've had your. We all have our ups and downs in life, and you know, you've had your fair share. You've been behind bars. Um, we all watch. Well, I'm sure all but a lot of us have watched the, you know, prison breaks and these sort of shows. And uh, what was your experience like, firstly behind bars, and how have you sort of changed things around to, to be the person you are today, which is a great bloke? Uh, yeah, prison. Yeah, that's a good question. So it's not like the movies. Um, you know, it's not that dangerous. You know. Um, you're pretty safe in there. Um, you need to learn to adjust to the culture and watch what you say. So you need to um, never agree with people. You know, um, you know, like so if some criminal comes up to you and bad mouths another criminal, you need to be sitting on a fence all the time, you know, because if you say to Bob, Bob says, oh, Jack's, Jack's a dog, and you say, yeah, yeah, I think he's a dog too. Next minute you'll have Bob in your cell going, I heard you saying I'm a dog, and now you're in trouble with that guy. You see, there's, you've got to... You got to be, you got to be smart, and not give your opinion and things like that get you into trouble. And probably the worst thing about it is, um, 
you know, 80% of the people in jail are toothless uh, junkies, you know. And not, I've got nothing against those people, but living with them day in, day out, year in, year out, they're fucking annoying, as we know. I mean, let's admit it, junkies are fucking annoying. You know what I mean? They they talk funny. They're constantly asking you for cigarettes and coffee and food. And, you know, after a while, and you're stuck in a pen with them all day long, they get pretty... So the worst thing would be the junkies. And you can't have a normal conversation in jail, like what we are now. You can't talk about politics. You can't talk about, you know, working on your house or anything normal. You can't really talk about in prison because the people in prison, they don't lived. They just know crime and jail. That's all they know. So you cling to every now and then you'll get in prison. So you get white-collar criminals and you cling to them, make friends with them because they're normal people that did, you know, done some tax fraud or whatever they've done. But, the you know, but you can have a normal conversation with them. So you cling to the people in there for drink driving, some, some normal people in there, and you, you make friends with them so you can have a normal sort of uh, conversation. But the... But then on the other hand, though, the, the criminal, the, we call them boob heads. So I don't know what you call them up there, but we call them boob heads. That's the jail people. They talk like this. How are you, mate? My name's Keith. I just got out. I just did six years. I was only out three weeks. I stabbed a cop and I fucking back in. I breached me for all fucking dogs. They just talk like that all day long with this voice. You know what I mean? And they're waving their arms around and stuff. And they're fucking funny, yeah? They're very charismatic and they're fucking funny. They're really funny, they, you know, they, they're just a different kind of human being, you know. You, you're not dealing with a normal human being in jail. And these guys are fucking funny and they've got a lot of heart, you know, and they've got a lot of balls, you know. They'll just they'll punch on with anyone at the drop of a hat for no reason. And they're charming and you like being around them. They're fucking crack you up laughing and they've got a dry sense of they've got a fucking dry sense of humour, which I love, you know. But after a while, they kind of, you want to go and speak to someone normal and have a normal conversation. You know what I mean? So you, you cling to the, the white-collar criminals a bit as well. But the, the boob heads, they're funny, but you can't have a normal conversation with them. Like if you tell them about how you, you go jet skiing on the weekend, they'll start spread the rumour and they start calling you show bags, which means full of shit, full of shit. Because <laughs> they can't believe, they can't believe that you're in, someone in jail owns a jet ski, for, in, for example, because no one owns anything in jail. They're all bums, you know, so... If you say, yeah, I like to go jet skiing on the weekends. Oh, this guy reckons he's got a fucking jet ski. What a fucking goose, you know? You got a fucking jet ski. What's he fucking doing in here with us if he can afford fucking jet skis? A fucking goose. Fuck that goose pants. You know, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, the boob heads are a bit annoying. They haven't – they don't live within in reality, you know what I mean? They just know that – they just know jail and, and everyone's broke and whatnot, you know? And, uh, but, yeah, you meet some – you meet some good people, though. You 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 meet a lot of good people that you'll stay friends with, friends with on the outside. That happens, and uh, but it's a horrible place. Yeah, the food is disgusting, unedible. You know, um, the food is fucking disgusting. You know, the place is dirty. It's it's just it's just fucking horrible. And they yeah, so it's not a nice place. I haven't been back in a long time, so I don't plan on going back. And um, yeah, it's a Really horrible place to be here. So, yeah, I don't like mate, it. That's uh, good that you've been out of there for a little while now, and you can uh, talk about the time and the time pass. But I guess talking about what you're doing now and talking about uh, your podcast, I hear rumours along the grapevine, Lance, that you're the next Joe Rogan. <laughs> My friend, this is what I hear. I hear you're going to be the Aussie Joe Rogan. 
Um, are these rumours true? From your charismatic talking, like I said, your your good looks, you know, I have a feeling like there could be something behind this. Um, oh, look, if you're asking me, I'll say, no, no, it's just a hobby. We're just doing it for fun. It's just a hobby. That's what I would say. But if I was being honest with you, I'd say, fucking hope that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah. So Mana brought me, Mana asked me to do it. So it's Mana's podcast. He started it. Yep. And uh, he asked me to do it. And Mana, Mana actually saved my life. A few years back, I was... Uh, I was stuck in addiction with drugs and I was, you know, and I'd, every time I'd use drugs, I'd go and sign myself up for another rehab because I was desperate to quit, quit drugs. And I must've went to rehab oh, a dozen times. And uh, cause I really hated being a drug addict and, but it was, I wasn't having any success and I'd always get arrested at the rehab. I'd bash the manager or something. Cause the rehab's a real tough rehab's harder, harder place to be than jail. They really fuck, they put you through these mind games and try to break you down and fuck with your head. It didn't work for me, you know what I mean? So I'd be always getting arrested at rehab and wasn't working out well. And my wife knew she had to get me out of get me out of Australia or get me out of the, the state. But she'd sent me to interstate as well and same thing had happened. But so she rang Mano and said, Fuck you know, Lance is fucked. Can you take him to Tonga? And he just flew straight down. Zara picked me up. Um, I was in a crack house in Frankston. And um what do you call it? Uh, and then he flew me, first class flew me to Tonga and then flew me to a remote island in Tonga called Vavau, real special place. And he just left, he introduced me to his family and he just left me then, flew back to Australia. So he just dumped me on a small remote island in Tonga where I'd never been before, didn't speak the language. And I stayed there and I fucking loved it. It changed my life. So I made a lot of good friends and um, I did a little bit of, I did some good deeds over there. I started a mosquito trap program because I had a problem with a mosquito-borne disease. And um, I did some volunteer work on an organic farm and, and game fishing and did all sorts, of, uh, all sorts of activities. And it really made me appreciate how lucky we are in Australia. You know, like every, in here in Australia, all we do is sit around whinging. The government's corrupt and the place isn't like it used to be. Well, after living in a third world country for a year, made me realise we're extremely lucky in Australia, extremely lucky, you know. But... Um, uh, so yeah, and just being in a, in a remote island for a year where there was no access to drugs, miraculously, uh, cured me of my addiction and, um, and I was planning to stay there. I loved it there, but it was a real big life changer, game changer. And I ended up having a motorbike accident, which brought me back to Australia. Uh, the wife had to get me airlifted back, had a major accident, was in hospital for about a year and now been out of hospital for about two years back in Melbourne. And um, I'm just, I'm just cured. Like a, I don't, I barely drink, and um, and I don't use drugs whatsoever. So I'm, I think I'm going on three years clean now. So, and that's, had nice. money, mate, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's great, man. I mean, I don't know what would have happened. I, I, I mean, you can, we can guess. Had money not intervened, and you know how busy the guy is. He's got businesses to run. He's got family. And he just dropped what he was doing and he jumped on a plane and he come pick me up, paid for the flight and flew me to Tonga and saved my life, you know. Um, yeah, mate, I've known Mana for a fair few years um, when he opened Supplement Warfare here in Adelaide. Now, Adelaide being the very small place that it is, everyone in the sort of uh, bodybuilding, fitness, you know, supplement industry, we tend to know each other 
from different groups. We all know each other very well. And he's always just a very quietly spoken, just a very lovely person. Um, you know, I've got nothing but good things to say about Manor as well. Um, he's just, you know, and all, all accounts from everyone that I've spoken to, he's just a very nice guy. And he's always been perfectly a gentleman to me as well. And like I said, to, listening to your story and, the things he's done for you, but again, like the things you're doing back for him now doing this podcast is, is just fantastic, mate. And like I said, you're, you're talking about a very honest, uh, you know, time in your life, which was, you know, not the best time of your life, that's for sure. But out of the other end of it has come just a fantastic uh, turnaround for you, matey. And like I said, now you're on this podcast and talking about the bad times and the good times, and I'm sure there's many more good times to come. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, he definitely saved my life, and uh, but it's not really doing him a favour. When he asked me to come on to do the podcast with him, it was like, what? I get to sit there and talk for an hour? <laughs> I'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, give the uh, give the podcast a shout out. Anyway, what's it called? Tell us all about it. Ah, uh, the Warfare Podcast. What's it about? It's about two mates with too much time in their hands and decided to make a podcast. Um. It's about, I don't even know how to use a computer. My wife has to set it up for me. <laughs> and uh, the Warfare Podcast, it's on YouTube at the moment. Um, one day when it grows, we might put it on the other platforms. Sponsored by Goggles and Lawyers, Supplement Warfare. And we've got rappers have been our biggest views. So we get Australian rappers on and, you know, some of them have got 20,000 plus views. Um then crime is another side of it. We've got some more criminals lined up or people from that world lined up because that's interesting. Um, and um, then we've got a few others. We want to sneak in. So it's entertainment, but we want to sneak in some socially responsible messages in there as well. So, like, we had Henry Keogh, a man. Oh, you know Henry Keogh in Adelaide? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had him on. So he's got an important story to share. You know, so his story needs to be shared. You know, he served 21 years for a crime he didn't commit. And we need to get that story out there because future juries need to hear stories about wrongful, wrongful convictions. Yeah, There's well, 12, jurors, 12 jurors made a big fucking mistake and it cost a, a dentist 21 years of his life. You know, so, you know, you know, want to promote stories like that because, you know, juries need to be fucking open-minded, you know, it's, and, um, and, you know, unless, unless it's absolute 100 million percent proof, we don't put people in jail. So... And the juries are getting it wrong all the time. So, you know, I want to slip in some good messages there as well. Uh, so I think, uh, and we've got a few, and it's getting better to the podcast. It's really exciting. So we get guests on that are kind of well-known, and then other well-known guests are now willing to come on, you know, and it's and contacting us, yeah, I want to come on, and it's, it's a delight. I really I love doing the podcast. And you get to meet new people and, and make friends and, and uh and I'm learning to try to speak, speak better, and you know, working on my vocabulary and public speaking skills. So it's it's just all pleasure. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. And um, awesome, we'll see where it goes. Well, me and Big, me yeah. and Big are always well. always keen to have a chat, mate. So if everyone else, although I'm I'm nowhere near the uh, high profile that Australia's powerful man is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it's as big as a damn screen, and I can't hide anywhere because I'm too big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I, I was delighted. No one's ever asked me to come on there. Is this a podcast? What even is this? Yeah, it's a, it's a podcast, just a banter. Mate, I'm really, trying to work out what it is myself, Lance. I don't have a goddamn clue. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Oh, I to come on. I I thought to myself though, um, is this guy nuts? Like, does he not realise I'm not actually really famous? I'm not famous. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought, this guy thinks I'm famous. Oh, I'll go and do it then. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've loved it, mate. We've, and, and thank you so much for being so open and honest with your story. And, and like you said before, like it's interesting to hear from people, you know, like it's easy to just go out and get a sports star or some entertainment person or whatever it might be. But Biggie, I'm sure, can agree with me on this one. We've loved having you on today and just hearing your being so open about your stories and how you've overcome your battles, not only being behind bars, but you know, with your drug addiction as well. And, and that's a credit to you, mate. And, and, yeah, we're stoked for you. Hopefully we'll be the next Joe Rogan and uh, look forward to following your journey. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And like Bevo said, mate, you know, it, it's just a, an awesome story that, you know what, the, the younger next generation could learn a hell of a lot uh, about just everything, you know, that you spoke about today, like listening and learning from situations that you have and do, you know, opening your mind up to things outside of the status quo um, and just, you know, listening and, you know, everyone makes mistakes. It's not necessarily about, you know, the mistakes you make. It's how you come out the other end of them. And um, like I said, matey, your story is fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing it with us, man. And, uh, we look forward to talking to you sometime soon again, matey, and hopefully yeah. everything will keep rolling forward for Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep following each other and stay in touch. I hope. Absolutely, Absolutely. mate. Thanks let's so have much. a let's have a competition, mate. Let's have a race uh, competition. You can get the most views. Because <laughs> no, be you. Life's all about views, man. Life's all about views. Nothing else matters. It's all the fucking matters. News. I'll do anything for views. <laughs> Love it, mate. Thanks so much. <laughs>